Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Well, hello, church. Hello, good morning, good morning. Just thinking about how grateful I am to have the opportunity to worship with all of you on another Sunday morning at all of our campuses. Anybody who's joining us at home, just grateful. I was also just really grateful to get to come to the Lord's table with all of you today. I needed that meal today. I wonder if anybody else feels that way. Um, also, yeah, you can clap for that, of course. You can clap for communion, I guess, if you want to. I, uh, I'm grateful, too, for the students that we're thinking about this weekend who are experiencing, have experienced your first communion this weekend. Welcome to the table. We're really glad to have you. I want you to know that I am really looking forward to bringing this message today because it is a message that has been working hard on me. I think messages are always best when we've had to live through them first, and I've had to live through this one. Today we get to talk about wisdom, particularly we get to talk about relational wisdom. And I don't know about you, but I think it's true for me that there is no area of my life that requires more wisdom to navigate than the relationships, the people in my life. And so today we're gonna be living deeply inside of one verse. It's out of the book of James. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd love for you to have it open with me to James chapter three. We're gonna be in verse 17. And here's what I can promise you. I can promise you that when you leave church today, you are going to leave with a word that you can apply to your life, that you can apply to your relationships. And when you do, those relationships are going to experience a shift. They're going to experience a change. Is anybody up for that this morning? Are you up for that? Yes, all right, great, great. All right, we, uh, Ryan and Pear have brought the first two messages in this, in this mega theme of wisdom. And they both, you know, they talked about how, how wisdom, and I love how our graphic artist, you know, the, the gal who's been drawing our pictures, our, our graphics for all of these mega themes, she's amazing and she's so thoughtful. And she said, you know what I think is the graphic we need for wisdom? I think I'm gonna draw a key. I'm gonna draw an old key because wisdom truly is the key that unlocks good living, right living, godly living, wise living. So the last couple of weeks, Ryan and Pear talked about wisdom and they said, you know, we're gonna be living in the book of James, but we're also going to be dipping back into a book that we had to skip when we came through the Old Testament last February or so. We didn't have time to cover the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs really is the book of wisdom in the Bible. If you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, you know that it's just a list of wisdom sayings, one after another. And Ryan said you can read them every day every, and so that you can be gaining all of this wisdom. And that's a wonderful thing to do. I do love the book of Proverbs for that reason. I also love the book of Proverbs because it can be kind of entertaining. There are some funny little Proverbs in the mix, okay? So I brought a few of those to share with you this morning. Let this wisdom drop on you. This is Proverbs. Uh, let's see, this is 2611. Have you ever um, heard this verse from the Bible? As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool re returns to his foolishness. Did you know the word vomit was in the Bible? <laughs> Might not have known that until today. And Ryan and I shared with you a couple weeks ago that we have this new puppy at our house. So we can vouch for the reality that dogs do this, it's so gross. They go back to eat that, you know, we don't need to talk about that. 
What we need to talk about is the genius of the reality of the writer of Proverbs that he sees that we do that too. We do it too. We know what our foolishness is. We think I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna do it differently this time. And we just keep on returning. We keep on returning to our foolishness, I think, especially in the context of relationships. Here's another proverb. This one's right at the the heart of relationships. Have you heard this one before? A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than a steak with someone you hate. (laughs) Did you know that was in the Bible? One point for the vegans, right? Okay. Proverbs 17, 28. This is a good life hack. This is a good, if you want to be, if you want to look like you're the smartest person in the room, okay? We all want to do that. So here's, here's some wisdom. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent, right? There's a life hack. One point for the introverts, I think, is what we do for that one. And then here's one that is actually really pointed, a proverb that's really pointed about relationships. This is Proverbs 10, 12. It says, hatred stirs up conflict, stirs it up with a spoon. We all know what that feels like. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love, love covers over all wrongs. And even as I say that this morning, I'm I'm knowing that you walked into church today, every single one of us walked into church today with a relational wrong in our lives that we need love to cover, that we need wisdom to navigate. I wonder what the relationship is for you. I would ask the Holy Spirit to bring it to mind. What is the relationship that you can be thinking about today? It might be kind of a casual relationship. You know, we have these with our neighbors and our coworkers, our employers, our employees. Maybe there's a snag in that system. Maybe you could be thinking about that relationship today. Of course, it happens that the closer we are in relationship, the more complex it always is. And so you might be thinking about your spouse. You know, Ryan and I try to to live before you that we love being married. Of course we love being married. But marriage is really, really hard. It's really hard. It will make a fool out of you. Or it will make you very wise. And so maybe you're going to be thinking about your spouse or somebody who's really close to you. Maybe an in-law, maybe a friend. Whoever you have in mind, I want you to have that person in mind as we step into James chapter three, verse 17 today. We're gonna be in this one verse together this morning. I'm gonna read it aloud. You can, you can look at it in your Bible or you can just hear it read over you. It says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it is always sincere. James 3, 17, a power-packed verse. And we are just gonna go old-fashioned Bible study this morning and we are just gonna go through each one of these words and we're gonna consider how we can apply them to our relational lives. But before we do that, here's what I know about a verse like this one. It is so applicable And actually, I believe you're gonna find it to be so convicting that it can land in our hands like a weight. Like a, oh no, I have not been doing this. I don't know if I can do this. And that is why we have to begin where James begins. Did you notice it at the beginning of this verse? What James says is, but the wisdom from above is. And then he goes into this list. 
So I would love for us as we are, we are listening and living into this verse today to have a sense, not that we are having a weight put in our hands, but that we are having a gift, an extraordinary gift placed in our hands, the gift of wisdom, James says, ask for it and it will be given to you. Brothers and sisters, can we acknowledge together that if we already had all this wisdom inside of us, we wouldn't be in the relational snags and situations that we are in. So we need wisdom that comes from outside of us. We can open our hands to receive it today. And so before we jump into this word, I just wanna take a moment to pause and pray together and ask for wisdom. Lord, we thank you for the good word you have for us today from James. So much to chew on, so much to apply, so many ways to be convicted. Lord, we're grateful that you know the deepest details of every single one of our lives, including you know the relationship where there's a wrong that needs to be covered by love, where deep wisdom is required, wisdom that we can't conjure up, wisdom we need from you. So we ask you today to put that wisdom in our hands and in our hearts, and we ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. All right, now we're ready to get to work of discovering what this wisdom from above looks like, especially in the context of relationships. This is where James begins. He says, but the wisdom from above is first of all, first of all, pure. Just sit with that word for a second. That is not a word that I use very often. Uh, what does it mean to be pure? I brought the water bottle that I'm drinking this weekend. You know, I buy this water because it's pure because it doesn't have any dirt in it. It doesn't have any germs in it, right? So maybe I could say, okay, that's, I say, oh, that's what I want my life to look like. It's what I want my heart to look like, what I want my relationships to look like. That's all true. But actually, when I studied this word, how it is better translated is that wisdom from above is first of all true, as in integrated, hiding nothing. What you see is what you actually get. Who I am here is who I am there. You don't need to wonder which version of me you're going to get today. Wisdom from above is first of all pure in that it is consistent. You know, there's a lot of parents in the room. I'm a parent of three boys. Parenting is hands down the trickiest, most complex task I've ever had in my life. And I know that the parents understand that. So there is grace here when I speak this out. But we do know that this is true from psychology, from therapy. We know that it's true that one of the hardest things that we can do because it's disorienting for our kids and therefore damaging to them is when we present ourselves differently in public than we do at home. In the kitchen than at the neighborhood gathering. In the living room than at the party. In the van on the way to church. And then when we walk into church, come on somebody, been there, been there. There's a gap, there's a gap. And again, there's grace over this gap. No one is perfect. Parenting is extremely complicated. But I do think that, that for our children and for all of the people in our lives, when they watch us and there is too big of a gap, it's confusing, it's damaging because it doesn't feel true. It doesn't feel true and they know it. And so I think that this word is one for some of us today to consider that one of the healthiest, most brave things that we can do is to consider our whole lives and to wonder together, what's, what currently sits outside of, my, of the lordship of Jesus in my life? What area of my life, what relationship in my life currently sits outside of that so I'm being inconsistent 
We all wanna be more consistent. We pray that this morning, give us wisdom from above, make us more consistent, pure, and true. Wisdom from above is first of all, pure. Then he goes on and he says this. He says, it is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. Let's pull these apart. Wisdom from above is peace-loving. Wisdom from above loves peace, loves it, loves peace. That feels like kind of an ironic word to speak into the atmosphere right now as we're getting ready for a week of midterm elections. Come on, somebody, it doesn't feel very peaceful. Doesn't feel super peaceful. The postcards that are coming into my mailbox are not peaceful. They're causing me to think that whoever, you know, we elect is gonna be a monster, clearly a monster. This is a week that could cause us to feel a lot of unrest toward our neighbors and the people that we walk in to vote next to, then people next to us in the ballot box, what if they're different than me? All of that, all of that. That's not who we are. James says wisdom loves peace, loves it more than anything else. Let's pull it into the realm of relationships in our life. I think it's a powerful thought to consider that wisdom puts peace above everything else, above every other priority. I can think about lots of priorities that I care about in my relationships. Namely, I really love to win the fight to be right. Does anybody else care about that? I care about it. I care about it way too much. I care about getting my way. I care about um, telling somebody that they hurt me and they need to know it. I care about a lot of things, okay? And there are relationships that are safe for that, that are safe for that mutual exchange. But not every relationship is like that. I have relationships in my life that are not like that. And so I have to put my priorities on a grid and I have to say, wisdom tells me to prioritize peace. James elsewhere in in chapter three, you can read it this week, I'd highly encourage you to do so. It's one of the most um, profound and applicable chapters in the Bible because James talks about the very thing that destroys peace more than anything else and that is our tongues. He talks about the tongue, he says, it's like a wild animal that can't be tamed. It's like a spark that can set an entire forest on fire. That's how powerful the tongue is. James says that a wise person tames their tongue and their texts and their emails and their posts and all the things, tames them because we know that wisdom says when we don't tame our tongue, we destroy peace, we light the world on fire, we can light our relationships on fire with our tongue. I am grateful over the last couple of weeks that I was preparing this message when I hit a relational snag in my life. I hit one, we all hit them, every single one of us, it's part of living with people, but I hit one and it was hard for me. I felt like the Holy Spirit had to sit on my face to keep me from having my tongue start wagging at this person because I was mad. I was mad. Oh, I want to send a text. I want to tell him what's, you know. And instead, I'm preparing to preach on put peace first. I'm like, shoot, okay. 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 How does peace happen? James goes on to say that it's peace loving because it's gentle at all times. This is the how, to be gentle at all times. How much of the time? Ah! Shoot! Oh boy. This one's hard for me. This one's hard for me. I feel like I'm on a roll, already being candid with you. You know, elsewhere, James says, to confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed, right? We are healed when we speak aloud. I struggle with this. This is a sin in my life. I hope that you have people in your life that you can confess your sins to so that you can be healed. 
You're my people this morning, okay? So I'm gonna confess my sin to you. Here is what is true. And my family's been here watching me this morning. I'm like, boys, it's all right for you to say amen that it is hard for me to be gentle. Gentleness is not my first step. It just isn't who I've been. I doubt it's ever who I'm going to be in my natural instinct. Jen Alexander's natural instinct is to be feisty. It's to be fiery. It's to have a lot of words to pour back at you. That's my natural instinct. But we're not talking about a desire for our natural instincts. We are talking about a desire to open our hands and receive something that is super natural. And gentleness is something that the Holy Spirit has been giving me. It doesn't come from me. He's been giving it to me, hallelujah, to save my relationships. But I know that I'm not alone. I know that in this cultural moment, there is a really high value on confronting right now, on confronting the wrong, on, on speaking up, on standing up, on all those things. And you know what? I am for that. I am part of that because there are some things that we do need to stand up to. There are some wrongs that need to be righted. But would you just wonder this with me? Is it possible that sometimes when we are trying to be assertive, we're confusing that with being aggressive? Those words are different. We can be assertive without being aggressive. Assertive without aggressive. Aggressive puts me in the power position. Aggressive puts you on your heels. Aggressive makes you feel like you've got to defend yourself because I'm fighting at you. Whoa, does that work very well? Has it worked well for you in your relationships? Yeah, not mine either. So what about if gentleness, what if gentleness is a superpower? What if Gentleness opens a conversation and keeps it open. What if gentleness isn't weakness? What if gentleness is profound strength? Strength that can only come from above. Wisdom that can only come from above. Maybe that's God's word for you today. Where might a new tool in your relational tool belt be gentleness? He goes on, he says that, that wisdom from above is also willing to yield to others. This one's interesting to me. Willing to yield to others. You know, those of us who drive cars, a lot of us drive cars, when we come upon a yield sign, we know what it means. It doesn't mean that we need to come to a full stop. It means that we need to slow down, pause, look, and make room for somebody else who's coming. And that wisdom is dropped all over the Bible, especially in the mouth of Jesus. There's a particular moment when he is with his followers, his disciples, the ones who said, we're here to follow you, Jesus, to live our lives the way you do. That's what disciples do. But Jesus comes upon them, this group of men, having this conversation where they're kind of jacking for power and position. And Jesus comes into that conversation. And he says, wait a minute, guys. This is not how we do things. This is, for, this is Matthew chapter 20. He says to them, not so with you. Not so with you, that's how the world does it. It's not how we do it. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, must yield. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, he's speaking of himself, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We came to the communion table this morning to remember this story. 
We have to remember this story. Jesus said, remember it often. Gather and eat together and drink wine together and remember this story. You have to remember it over and over and over again that the God of the universe yielded his very life for you. So how might we be called as his followers to do the same? There's so many ways we could talk about yielding our lives. I think one of the ways is to consider when we have power, all of us have power in some arena, we have, we have influence, what happens when we yield our power to others? When we make a lane for them, instead of being the one who gets the credit, to instead give the credit. I think that yielding, James talks about it a fair amount in his book with regard to how we speak to one another. One of the most famous verses out of the book of James is James 1.19 where he says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. Understand this is how this works, he says. You must be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Followers of Jesus, you aren't the ones who should speak up first. You're the ones who should be quickest to listen, slow to speak. Is there a relationship in your life, O Christian, O follower of Jesus, where you could yield by being more willing to listen than to be heard? Wisdom does that. Then he says, James, James continues, he says that wisdom is full of mercy. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. There's a couple word pictures here that I think are profound to think about. I would love for you to picture yourself being full of mercy. Full of mercy. All over the place in the Bible, it talks about that what we are full of spills out of us. You know, whatever's in your cup is what sloshes out when you get bumped a little bit, right? That's what pours out. And so what do I want my life to be filled with? My life can be filled with ambition. My life can be filled with um, hostility. My life can be filled with division. My life can be filled with all kinds of things. But what if I said, wisdom tells me that my life should be full of mercy. So that when I get bumped, it's mercy that spills out. When mercy spills out of me, especially when I'm in a relational conflict of some kind, if I go to mercy, it causes me to have to ask different questions. Instead of like, how have I been wrong? I could ask a question like, I wonder what's going on here. I wonder if there's more to this story. I wonder if this person is stressed. I wonder if this person is hurting. I wonder if this person is worried. I wonder if this person's afraid. Okay, now with mercy as my first step, I can move first with compassion instead of condemnation. And then the second word picture that, that James puts right here is he says, that's like deciding what kind of tree you wanna be. You know, we all have fruit on our tree. What do you want the fruit of your tree to be? It can be this, it can be that. But he says, the fruit of a wise person's tree is kindness and good deeds. That's what I want my tree to look like. That's what I want the fruit of my tree to be. James concludes his description of wisdom from above with these words. He says, it shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. It shows no favoritism, it's always sincere. What is this favoritism thing about? This is probably the one that I sat with the longest this week. Like, why is that wise? Why is it wise to live without favoritism? And it caused me just to remember the moment that James wrote this letter within. 
He wrote this letter right after Jesus had died. People are, are figuring out what it looks like to live like Jesus, to be his disciples. And it's different than the way the world around them was working. At this time, maybe kind of like the time we're living in, but definitely at this time, there were hard lines. There were hard boundaries between men and women, between ethnicities. There, there were hard boundaries between Jews and Gentiles, religious people and sinners. Jesus, James's big brother, walks on the scene and he appears to not even see those boundaries. This is what we see over and over again in the Gospels is that people are just amazed. Like Jesus seems to live without boundaries. He loves and values everybody. And that was new. And James says, we learned that from my big brother. We know now that the character of God shows no favoritism. And so wisdom in my life is to say, where are my plain favorites? May we be brave enough to ask that question. Who do I value above other people? Who do I think is more important? Who do I think is a person I shouldn't interact with? Where am I showing partiality? Where's that happening in my life? Lord, make me wiser than that. And then the final word that he drops seems really um, sweet and benign at first, but when I studied it, it's not benign at all. The last word he says is he says, wisdom from above shows no favorites and it's always sincere. And how that is actually better translated is that wisdom from above always lives without hypocrisy. That's what it actually says. Wisdom from above lives without hypocrisy. So it's always sincere. Does that make sense? We know that a hypocrite is an actor. That's what the word means. It means somebody who gets up on the stage and plays a part and wears a costume, but that's not really their life. And remember here, I wanna remember here that James is writing to Jesus' followers. And he ends this, this sentence about wisdom saying, it's so important that we be sincere. It's so important that we not be hypocrites, that we not be actors. And I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know whether you think it's fair or not fair, but here's the reality. In culture right now, fingers are being pointed at Christians and here's what they're saying. You are hypocrites. You are actors. You wear the name of Jesus, you file into church, you pray, all the things, blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't look very much like Jesus. It doesn't look to me like you love very much like Jesus. And I think we need to take that in. I think we need to be open to hearing that critique. It's why here at Hosanna, I hope that you get a sense, if you've been around here for a long time, we really wanna live with a posture of humility that says we have more growing to do to look more like Jesus. Every one of us has more growing to do to look more like Jesus. This is why as a leadership team, it was amazing how often it was just confirmed and confirmed and confirmed that we need to spend an entire year with Jesus. We just, in 2002, we went through the whole story of the Bible. In 2023, we are spending a year with Jesus. 52 Sundays with Jesus, living deeply, living deeply into his life. Because if we are really going to look like him, we have to know him so deeply so that we can be sincere. There's so much in this verse. Did you know one verse of the Bible? could carry so much wisdom, so much practical wisdom. I do wonder what the word was for you today. I know there was one. Was it that you do need to be more integrated? 
People in your life get different versions of you in different places. It's time. Maybe the word was around being peace-loving. Maybe you'd say, yeah, I've prioritized some other things above peace. Not anymore. Maybe it was gentleness. I can be assertive. But maybe you can be assertive without being aggressive. What if gentleness is your superpower? So many specific things that we can apply. And remember what I told you at the beginning. These things can land in our hands like a weight. Or they can land in our hands like a gift. The answer to so many of the relational issues that you and I struggle with every single day. So in a moment, we're, we're gonna end where we started and just pray for wisdom that we'd receive it. But before we do, I wanted to point out that James does not end with verse 17. James, the, the capstone of this whole section is actually verse 18, where he gives the believers a sense of the reward. If you will live like this, there is such a reward. As if he's saying, I know it's totally upside down. I know it's completely crazy. The world is not gonna tell you to yield. It seems bananas that you should be gentle at all times. But I promise you it works. Because here's what happens when you live like this. Verse 18, he says, those who are peacemakers, those who choose to live like this, will plant seeds of peace. Will plant seeds of peace and therefore reap a harvest of righteousness. Isn't that a beautiful word picture? That when I dare to ask God for this wisdom, when I dare to live differently than the world does, when I dare to actually follow Jesus and live wisely like his word says, the reward is I plant seeds of peace everywhere and they grow into a harvest of righteousness. May it be so in your life and mine. Let's close our time together in prayer. Lord, thank you for your good, good word delivered right into our lives today. In the moment we needed it, in the relationship we needed it. James says to confess our sins to one another so we can be healed. And so right now, Lord, we do confess that there are so many things we talked about today that we do not live. We confess that we fall so short in these things but we also confess our need for you. So Lord, today we open ourselves, we open our hands, we open our hearts, we open our relationships to receive from you wisdom from above. May we lean into it. Would you bring it to mind today and tomorrow and the day after that, Lord, that we would see profound shifts in our relationship because we're doing them your way. We ask all this in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen.